0: Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast, brought to you by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. Today on the Hay Kings podcast, I'm joined by Cole Wiegand, also known as Cole Highway Feed. He farms in Western Washington, right along Interstate 5 on the rainy side of Washington. And today we're going to talk about his loose ties to agriculture before he started his own operation. And we're going to Talk a little bit about his line of equipment and some of the progress that he's made in his operation. Welcome, Cole.
1: Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate uh, the
0: opportunity to talk to you and share my story a little bit. Cole, you're from north of Seattle. And if you know anything about Washington, you know there's a wet side and a dry side. I'm from the dry side. You are from the not dry side. What's your annual rainfall?
1: Actually, less than you'd think it is. The way that our weather patterns are. All of the precipitation hits that mountain range and just stalls, right? Yeah. Because we're separated. Washington is separated
0: north west and south.
1: West and east by Cascade Mountain Range. Yep. That runs north south. And it is this big wall that all that weather just hits and just wants to stay. We end up with this kind of long, drizzly, overcast season where we end up with really only about. Three to four months of solid dry weather, generally May to September.
0: And when you say dry, it's still dry ish, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're going to end up with summer rainfall that's, you know, in, in June and July. You're going to end up with your weather windows are usually a week long. If you have a week, you're doing all right, you know, and it's not a week of 102, it's a week of 80. You know or 75 and those are high temperatures because of
0: that maritime influence
1: absolutely we're right on the coast uh well actually i can't say we're right on the coast because we're separated from the coast by the olympic peninsula but but
0: But you're still on the puget sound
1: we're on the puget sound so we get all that marine uh, influence like you say blows right in
0: how far from the sound are you
1: well, most of my fields actually border the Snohomish River, which which exits right into the the Puget Sound.
0: You're saying you're within a couple of miles. Though. Yeah,
1: miles. Yeah. yeah, right. In fact, one of my main fields is you can be mowing hay and, and look at the at the river. It's right there. You know, yeah. and, and from the river, it's maybe a mile to the Puget Sound. So it's an
0: interesting environment, definitely. So we're talking less about dry hay production and more about silage then.
1: Yeah, and. I think what a lot of folks see on the West side is they see these wrapped round bales and they all assume that they're silage, but they're not necessarily. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so, so we're talking
0: about yeah, we, what people might recognize as marshmallow bales.
1: Yes, absolutely. The wrapped dry round bales as well as the wrapped silage round bales. So yep. we, One of my main sellers actually is the wrapped dry round bale. So it's our little weather windows, like I mentioned in the middle of July, uh, in June. And, you know, if you're lucky, August, (laughs) (laughs) um, it, it ends up being just enough dry down weather that you can get a 12% dry grass. hay. you know, definitely no legumes. I mean, (laughs) you can't get (laughs) dry, drying legumes. I, I learned this year with some clover hay that it is, it is a tricky situation doing the, doing a legume hay in Western Washington. So generally it's grass, Generally, we're conditioning. We're tedding. We do a ton of tedding. Everything. If you're trying to go for dry, you might ted four times, five times. Mm -hmm. You know, just because of the temps we're working with. If you're really lucky, you'll end up with a breeze on a 75 degree day. And and then you're just And you're excited about that drying weather. Talk about (laughs) (laughs) pennies from heaven. (laughs) I mean So yeah, I think a lot of there's a big misconception in Western Washington that everything that's in a wrapped round bale is silage. It not necessarily. And that's one thing that you know, we get a lot of criticism, I think, as far as our dry hay quality. But well, I,
0: when you can get Eastern Washington, ah, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I on the way here, I passed probably twenty trucks
0: <laughs> stealing our market share, Ta- taking hay from the east side of Washington yeah. to the west side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep.
1: No, that's, uh, and you know, is there merit to those claims that Eastern hay is the better quality? Absolutely. It's for sure. Better quality as far as certainly in terms of consistency, right? Oh yeah. Consistency. You're not going to be as bleached. It's not going to, everything that goes into farming is done better on the East side, just general principle. Yep. <laughs> so that's, um, uh, Definitely there's merit to that. But, you know, us Western guys, we like to think we're farmers. So.
0: <laughs> and you certainly have a local component.
1: Absolutely. And yeah. There's people,
0: uh, especially around major cities that like that local com- local component, right?
1: I think a lot of the local, the, the local square bill guys are really trying to tap that more than us round bill guys. Because um, there is, you know, like I say, in that drying period of about four months, we do get enough time for a Two cuttings of square bales, if you're lucky. So uh, a lot of guys will will do the square bales for local local dry hay, and and they're definitely trying to reach that that maybe equestrian market that that's looking for a cheaper alternative to eastern hay, and um, can be a a good quality. You know, some guys maybe aren't doing. I want to say they're they're yeah, not every producer is the same. Yeah, e- exactly. I mean, there's there's definitely better and, and worse western square bale hay, but you know, as far as round bales, I think a lot of people. They just assume that it's going to be a low quality feed because they're putting in it on a round bill, mm-hmm. and that's not always the case with especially with my hay where I'm trying to put up a quality product that I don't have to worry about getting damaged by the weather because it is so humid and so uh, rainy all the time. So I'll wrap that dry hay mainly for storage, but also for handling. Where I'm just mm-hmm. one guy, family help in that, but a lot of times I'm out there solo. I don't have the time to pick up you know square bales i don't have the equipment to pick up square bales rounds are so much easier for a solo operation to be able to to handle and move efficiently and you're not strapped by the weather when you have a you know a summer rainstorm moving in and you've got a field you know 20 acre field full square bales that are about to get rained on whereas the rounds you know you just let the rainstorm pass and you go pick them up later no big deal yeah that's the that's the advantage for me, and a lot of people they see it as a decrease in their potential profit by putting it in rounds because you're not gonna get as much per per ton or per pound I guess It'd be probably a better way to look at it, but they also maybe aren't valuing their time you know as the highly, way they should the way they should you know the by the time that say oh, they're a small square guy and they're picking up little bales, you know they're paying a crew
0: you're still talking about picking up bales by hand
1: yeah exactly that's and that's and that's what most of the small square guys in our area are doing because they're they're definitely working in the late 60s you know as far as as far as technology goes so some guys maybe have migrated to harrow beds Eh, some probably not right they're not all tiny there are a few larger ones that are Definitely trying to be more efficient with it, using Bale Bandit and all that type of thing, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely not near the the amount, you know, like, uh, for instance, East Side or as far as on par with the round bale guys as far as the equipment
0: capacity. Sure. Here. You mentioned the family component, but you're largely on your own. Uh, do you come from a really strong ag background? Did you grow up on that? What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah. So for those that don't know, I'm actually 20, I'm junior at WSU. Um, That's
0: uh, Washington State University. Go Cougs.
1: <laughs> my family background is largely in ag, but in actually in California. So my, my dad actually moved to Washington to go to engineering school at our, our rival, UW. So, uh, ah. yeah, it's a split family. Um, <laughs> actually, he's involved in the maritime industry in Seattle, working on ships and so on. So, come from egg, dry land, grain, and beans in, in California and in San Diego, actually, Carlsbad area, back before it was densely populated. I still have a lot of family that's involved in egg in California, but as far as in Washington State, um, I guess you could say I'm first generation in Washington State for our family.
0: And And really, this is your operation.
1: Yes. You're the day
0: to day decision maker at 20 years old.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my dad and I work closely together on a lot of stuff. Uh, We actually joint own some of the equipment, and uh, he helps me a lot. And so that's, you know, it's a big deal. We do most of our own repairs, most of our own work on this, uh, on the equipment. We're, Utilizing a lot of older stuff and, and you know keeping it going and that's mm-hmm. that works well for our business model and it helps that my dad's an engineer too <laughs> you know for fixing stuff so but, pretty uh, pretty handy to yeah that's what you're saying absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need that uh, bushing made we'll just go whip that out on the lathe right so that's the yeah that that can be a, a big deal so I actually started this whole project as a 4-H project with another 4-H friend of mine. We we're still uh, really close friends, and he's actually uh, moved on with his career as a AI tech for Select Sires, and then oh, okay. has uh, restarted his own hay business as well. So I guess technically the first year we did it was been when I was in seventh grade, so probably about thirteen <laughs> was was the first time, and we started doing square bales. Yeah. You know the the uh, little tow behind mower. Uh, most of the equipment was his at first because um, he's a couple years older. And I started buying some of my own stuff and migrated from a seven foot disc bind to a thir- uh, ten foot disc bind which I still use. And definitely, you know, worked through the tractors and you know yeah. old old tractors. I still have the first one. Use it as my loader and that. And so it's been a progression to get to where I'm at now. And I'm I'm trying to go about it in a slow Methodical way versus trying to get as big as possible really fast. I just took on more land this last uh, summer, first time I've taken on more land since um, we started, basically. Um, And so I picked up another 20 acre field just, you know, kind of a uh, just to fill the time because I was actually wasn't focused as much on selling because I wholesaled a lot of my own product this year. Mm -hmm. So um, picked up a little bit more land. And and anyway, and so that's mainly staying in one uh, at one location doing the hay for this one landowner has been the primary focus of the of the operation for, for the whole duration i've started doing a little bit of custom work after my acquisition of my own baler this year so i've started doing a little bit more custom work but it's primarily you know hay for resale and in rounds silage and dry
0: right. so let's talk equipment a little bit You mentioned your 10 foot swather. What do you have?
1: So, uh, utilizing the uh, John Deere 1360, just a workhorse, you know, old school, you know, by today's standards, you know, offset, pull, towable swather, you know, tying conditioners. We don't have to worry about the leaves like you guys do. Right. So, we're. We're sticking with tines and that works good for for our area and grass. And then I utilize a uh, a Fella TH540 tetter, three point tetter, great great machine. It's Mm -hmm. probably one of my newer pieces of equipment. Can't say anything bad about the Fella my rake have been through a, a little bit of growing pains with the rake, but the rake is working out. It was an auction buy. a lot of my stuff comes from farm auctions and people know how that goes. <laughs> right. So You're,
0: you can get good deals. Yeah. But
1: sometimes it's for a reason. That's right. <laughs> Things are at an auction for a reason generally. So right. uh, Vermeer R23 V rake, uh, hydraulic driven basket rake for our area and the wet grass. It's fantastic. Um, you hardly ever see a wheel rake for whatever reason. They're, they're just, not popular i think a lot of guys don't like how they uh, sometimes won't grab the wet grass as well yep um and then stones you know i think rocks yep. rocks and stuff so
0: oh especially going into a uh, the silage baler that you're about to tell us about yeah where there's knives stationary yeah. knives rocks are actually a big deal absolutely let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor
1: the baler I have, they have their own net wrap that was recommended with that baler. I used to have close to 10 to 20% loss on on my hay bales from a rippage. I used a small demo roll of Vermeer and baled 50 bales that day and didn't miss one. And the day after that, I ended up doing 347 bales in one day and didn't miss one bale. I'm Tyler Knight and that's why I switched to Vermeer net wrap. Receive $20 off your purchase of two or more rolls of Vermeer Net. Purchase must be made by December 31st, 2020. Download your coupon today at vermeernetrep.com slash heykings. I'll talk about the tractors real quick before we get into the Baylor, because the bailer is kind of the biggest, fanciest thing I own. The tractor that I started out with was a Massey Ferguson 285 with a, a loader, factory loader on it, and basically everything is new. It more or less could be a 2019 Massey Ferguson 285 at this point.
0: Because <laughs> you just rebuilt the whole thing. It's,
1: it's been apart five times now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, for those that know the Masseys, it's the same engine as a 1085, notorious head gasket problems. Um, great, great motor, Perkins engine. You know, it's a big displacement, old school diesel eats head gaskets like you wouldn't believe (laughs) 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 when you use the aftermarket parts that we were originally using, which was one of the biggest issues. And so we actually ended up engineering our own head gasket. (laughs) So we, uh, we actually have copper inserts now in the head gasket that that seat into um, a machine fire ring in the liner yeah, this is a pretty high tech head gasket. This is uh, um, the
0: benefits of having a dad that's an engineer.
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we, it's all CNC cut, <laughs> uh, <laughs> copper inserts now on the, on that unit. So yeah. And then of course, uh, f- three clutches and PTO clutches and hydraulic pumps and tires and paint and everything. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, it's, it's a new tractor. It's, yeah. Like I say, it could be brand new. The more recent Purchase, that was the the first tractor we got that in probably 14 i think right around 2014 2015
0: that's a lot of work in 6 years
1: yeah ran, ran <laughs> and been running we used to run it was the only tractor you know it's a oh. 90 horsepower tractor ran the heck out of it i mean just bail from bail loading to to raking and everything and up until recently I was I was contracting the baling to another farmer to stay in line with the tractors though I just recently purchased well recently within the last 2 years purchased a 4430 John Deere with a hydraulic front wheel assist which
0: Yeah, tell me about this uh forty four thirty. John
1: John's John's have has a little bit of a, a little affection for the forty four thirty. Um <laughs> it's uh it's not been quite as rebuilt uh as the Massey, but I I purchased it with about nine thousand hours and what can I say? It's nineteen seventy six, you know, it's an old unit. It's it's got a little blow by, it's got a little of this, a little of that. But uh so far we try to keep the old stuff going as long as possible. And and do our due diligence and keeping things right, and so the things that need to be fixed got fixed. It's got a new interior, did all the lights and everything. For those of you on Haking's hey that uh, have seen my profile, Coal Highway Feed is what I'm known as. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's the profile photo there. So anyway, uh, that tractor is now uh, my you know big horsepower in the operation, and that's a 125
0: uh, horse uh, tractor.
1: Yeah, right in there. We did do a little bit of a little work on the hydraulic system. It's fairly new, pretty much all been replaced. And then we, we did build our own seat for it, which was pretty cool. The uh, custom built air ride seat for it. <laughs> um, there's there's a, little, a few things like that in, in all of our stuff, though. I mean, it's just we try to do things in a way that it's going to last and it's also going to be really comfortable to drive. And a lot of people that are listening should understand that when I'm talking about Fields, I'm talking about five acre fields up to 20 acre fields. My main location, we only have 23 acres. So we're talking about quite a bit of equipment for 23 acres if you really get down to it. Right. The newest acquisition and the thing that's kind of really kind of jump started me as far as the custom work goes is the McHale Fusion 2 that I picked up uh, the end of last year. Um, Been running all year with it. Can't say anything bad about the McHale. It's
0: now that has. Knives on the pickup, so it's chopping as it's going in. Yeah, so it has a wrapper.
1: The Fusion design is a fixed chamber roller baler with the chopper unit, 23 knife chopper. I only ever run about 12 knives, 11 knives, Um, just because the horsepower 4430 has can't handle very many knives. And to be honest, they don't chop a lot just because... Our cutting cycles are fairly fast. We try to, you know, the first cutting is the tallest normally. And after that, a lot of the grass is not very tall. So it doesn't really you need to be You get enough
0: precipitation that you're getting three and yeah. four cuttings of grass. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of dairymen will do 28-day turns in our in our area. So just to try to get that protein content up. But uh, the fusion is uh, it's transitioning the bale into the wrapper, wrapping, depositing, quarter-flipping them onto their flat side. They're these nice, perfectly-wrapped little packages out there in the field just waiting to be picked up. Um, it's it, it does not get more efficient as far as uh, baling and wrapping goes. And the McHales have really taken over the area. You see a lot of other competitors, but the McHale is really the the top dog as far as custom contractors go. It's definitely top of the line. You really don't need electronics in it. No. Um, not like- the Baylor is very self-contained as far as it really only needs oil and power and PTO. Um, the rest of it is is pretty uh, well s- set. Um, I do add a uh, I do have an additive applicator on it um, that we uh, is its own separate computer, mm-hmm. but uh, and some cameras and that type of thing. But those are my own upgrades. But the, as far as the Baylor goes, it's very self-contained.
0: Now let me tell you how this turns out because I started on itty-bitty little fields with a little two-tie baler, and I've grown past that. What happens, though, is you get opportunities on bigger contiguous pieces mm-hmm. and pieces that are closer to home. And so what you're really looking at is positioning yourself. You're putting yourself out there to get at the opportunities, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as far as the long term goes, I doubt that this is actually going to be my final career. As much as I love driving tractors and working on tractors and stuff, it's not necessarily what I want to do at the end of the day. Just send
0: that 4430
1: on over. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> for those listening, John has already called dibs on the 4430. <laughs> no one else has an opportunity before him. <laughs> <laughs> as far as, as my own hay sales go, I'm not really interested in, in up increasing my inventory beyond what I have. You'd but,
0: rather go to the custom side.
1: Yeah, I think as far as dollar for dollar for per your hour, you know, time-wise, it's definitely a higher yielding business. Um, Maybe at the end of the day, you're going to make more money off of selling hay, but how much time is it going to take you to sell that hay is really the thing I'm looking at. And I've been selling hay for six years now, and I, I know what it takes to sell hay, and especially in our area, it's pretty competitive. There's a lot of guys that are... That have exactly the same thing you have, and you have to be competitive with the price, and it's just not as it's not as rosy as the check you get at the end of the custom job.
0: Now, <laughs> so one of the one of the ideas that you just got to here, the amount of time mm-hmm. and dollars per hour, and then maybe having some headspace, if you will, right, uh, some some extra mental capacity where you can think about other things.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's one of the big reasons that I decided to go make the jump and go with the the, the new baler. I was actually paying someone else to do it, but I was not actually benefiting from time savings of having somebody else do the work because I was actually running their machine on my own stuff. So it was oh. so I, I they would just drop the the machine off and I would do my own baling, and then at the end they get their machine back, and I I spent the same amount of time, but I'm also paying them <laughs> to use their machine. So. I figured for the time save the time, I'd rather be using my machine, and then have the opportunity to go out and make money with it at another time. Um, but also have my my own fields take priority, which is a big deal when you're working with a custom guy. Is uh, you know your stuff might not always be priority. There might be another guy out there that you know has a has him on first, or maybe he has his own hay that needs to be done. And so, you know, that's one trade off with working with custom. So that's kind of one thing that I took into account when, when purchasing the baler, um, last year was that the advantages of the combi unit versus the, the separate baler wrapper, which is the other option I looked at. Um, so you, you know, be going through bailing a baling field and then coming back through and wrapping the time that that takes and not only time, but extra equipment, extra operator, if you're going to run them at the same time, you know, you're, you'd be running two tractors to the, the fuel and that, it just makes a lot more sense. Maybe your bales per hour aren't going to be as high, but the McHale makes it go so much faster with only one person and one tractor. It's uh, it's kind of a no-brainer in that, in that respect, not to mention being able to go out and do the
0: custom work too. Changing gears, Western Washington has a, a dairy industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it looks a lot like the Netherlands, and you kind of have a really strong Dutch dairy population there. Yep. Because, like, I, I just picture some guy in, like, 1860 coming over from the Netherlands, from Holland, and he gets here and he goes, oh, these, these fields,
1: yep. they look just like home. That's exactly right. It's got a very similar climate. Um, the Dutch population is very strong. It's, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's strong... In the dairy world, uh, as well as other, you know, but right. but you'd be hard pressed to find a dairyman in Western Washington that isn't got some Dutch roots. Absolutely, right. Uh,
0: the geography, the weather. Yeah, the, there's dikes that hold back the ocean, the rivers. Yep, and and when I think of Holland, I think of the little Dutch boy putting his finger in the dike to save the whole country. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's yeah. the same.
1: It's definitely, it's definitely a lot of uh, similarities in the dairy industry in Western Washington compared to the rest of the country and in Eastern Washington included, it's it's definitely gotten less this way, but it's still largely small family-run dairies.
0: I mean, you're talking about 100 cows.
1: Yeah, 100, 300, maybe 600 if they're a little bit bigger. There are, are some that are growing too into the thousands, but for the most part, you'll find many small dairies kind of sprinkled around throughout the valleys and especially in Whatcom County down into Skagit County and then some in Snohomish as well. So it's different dairy environment than most people might think of the land Gets kind of shared around a lot of times, you know, dairy mental trade fields and stuff with other guys. They're they're a very tight community. I'm not as in in with them as <laughs> as some are, um, but yeah, it's it's for sure a, a, a really tight knit group of of guys, and they're all really fantastic uh, people. You know, I, I work with several and super wholesome, great families, and that's cool to see. I don't think a lot of folks get to see the people behind the dairy farm and especially behind the family dairy farm they just see the cows and the the big factory farms and stuff they get talked about and that's you know at least in western Washington it's definitely still very small comparatively.
0: Cole it's been a pleasure to talk to you about your operation and it's always fun to talk about equipment so thank you for joining me today.
1: Really appreciate the opportunity John.